clap. Off we go. Off we go. Tea and ham. Okay, hello everybody. <clears throat> Talking here to Guy hello. Woods um, in Amsterdam. UK-based, Amsterdam-based musician, producer, workshop leader, facilitator, devil child extraordinaire. Um, yeah. Um, can you tell us? Yeah. Well, introduction. <laughs> Sorry. Well, it's a little bit the truth. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. Um, what I want to say, can you tell me um, a little bit about your first memories of making music or listening to music or anything that hooked you in? Uh, very early on. Um, when I was four years old, I was provided with my first set of drums. My memory of actually receiving them and playing them is blurred, but I do remember that I do remember very early this pull towards rhythm and towards uh, making rhythm and sound and texture and uh, also the equipment and the thing of the set of drums itself, the contraption, the drums, the skins, the way it's made. Yeah, yeah, it's a monster. Totally. <laughs> and being fascinated with watching performing, performing artists yeah. and, and drummers in particular. Yeah. And that came, um, my uh, access to watching performers came through my mum and her involvement with theatre Okay. Uh, as an amateur performer nice. and as a huge consumer she, of she, the theatrical arts. Did you get a lot of support from your parents then? Loads of support nice. from my parents, nice. you know, which is definitely a huge, big reason why we're sat on this couch in awesome. Amsterdam discussing awesome. music today, definitely. Drummers uh, also seem to have the most fun as well. It's very attractive. <laughs> it is. Yeah, yeah, it is. I, and I, I think it's, there's, an, there's a... Uh, um, an energy thing involved with it that's also kind of just an inherent part of a characteristic at some point yeah. you know it's very it's an exertive super physical um, uh, the energy involved you know is kind of it's addictive in, yeah. in terms of uh, the sound that you can produce and what it takes your body to kind of achieve that mm -hmm. and you can kind of get that from quite early on yeah. But then uh, the glitz and glamour of the drums themselves and the sparkles and the setups and the, all the cymbals and the auxiliary percussion and, you know, and I'm an 80s child, so huge drum sets and uh, the Rock God era was my early idol. Yeah. Uh, and uh, an early memory was like Dire Straits. We, Dire Straits. Uh, I went to see uh, uh, one of their tour dates. Um, my mum took us along and... Uh, we managed to get a photograph of the local press for being the earliest arrivals nice. to the uh, this venue. I think it was Farah, uh, and that was the I think the Brothers in Arms tour, uh, and uh, Omar Hakim was one of the drummers mm. who I was particularly into as an eight-year-old. Yeah, uh, and, and a lot of my uh, I grew up in the countryside in North England, mm -hmm. uh, and a beautiful city called York, um, which had and still does have a kind of interesting cultural scene that is not huge um, but there's a lot of reputation of some very good rock and roll bands and nice. uh, composers and uh, John Barry uh, the James Bond composer yeah. he was at my school and a uh, great band uh, from the 90s called Shed 7 or a York band and um, it's produced some characters definitely um, so that was kind of uh, 
uh, a good uh, kind of nurturing ground for young bands where I was part of rock and roll bands and stuff and it was kind of a good pub gig scene that nice. we were sneaked into as youths. Tell me um, about your um, formal education, boom, boom, boom. Mm. Uh, what's the trajectory? Well, again, that began in York at the school I went to, St. Peter's School, and um, that had a strong link to music education, and it did have a strong music, music department. Um, uh, it, was, uh, it was a great school. Uh, and uh, the training is quite actually quite classical, and the education was quite traditional in terms of um, syllabus-based music education across the board in the UK at that time. And yeah. You learned your recorder, and um, you had some kind of history classes, and um, then there was the ensemble play, which was wind bands and jazz bands, and there was a little mini orchestra. And this is about which, high school, how high school This age? is from eight. Okay. This is from eight through till uh, 16. Since 16. Yeah. Um, but there's also a very academic and a great sports school. Okay. And I was involved in sports quite heavily. Okay. And at some point the decision had to come. Um, I, I was really lucky that in this quite conventional, traditional, um, uh, education setup, which is superb, provided a really good foundation. Um, I had drum teachers, peripatetic, the, just my one-on-one -on -one drum teachers, came in from uh, the field, uh, and one of them was uh, a guy called Damien Harron, mm -hmm. who plays for an ensemble called Backbeat Percussion Ensemble. Um, and he is also a drum kit player and a phenomenal musician. And, uh, we were watching Led Zeppelin DVDs and nice. all this kind of stuff. He brought a huge inspiration to me. Nice. And then the other lady was a lady called Janet Fulton, who played for the Halle Orchestra. Mm -hmm. I was a superb orchestral mm -hmm. musician. Uh, and she mentored and coached me into the traditional conservatoire education yeah. route in terms of being a performer and wanting to explore that uh, that route and that profession as yeah, well. Yeah. So she was, a, again, at 14 years old, I was super fortunate that I had this kind of very personal, one-on-one yeah. -on -one instrument based development nice. alongside the school ensembles cool. and me playing in rock and roll bands. So nice. I left school at 16 and went to a college of music in Leeds to study a, um, uh, uh, what we call the BTEC program, which uh, is a 16 to 18 year old um, and it was a performance, mostly performance-based program, um, and looking at class classical Western music. Um, it had quite a lot of kind of historical content, and then solfege and yeah, yeah. that discipline training, skills training. Yeah. Um, and there, they have a big. They did have a very large faculty um, and a great jazz department. Great. And also a very, um, still do a very good classical department. Nice. Um, so I was with higher education students that were amazing jazz players and Great. got access to their teachers and the drum teachers. <clears throat> and so then from there I got into the Guildhall School of Music um, on a classical program. But having been exposed to jazz for that last two years, um, I was super into that music and exploring yeah. it more and exploring the drum kit more. Um, uh, so quite quickly on, um, I managed to meet Sean Gregory at the Guildhall, mm -hmm. um, who at that time was also running an outreach project called Connect. Connect. Yeah. And then uh, he now runs a creative learning department at the Barbican. 
and he uh, managed to, he mentored me and uh, I was starting to do a lot of work for Connect and their uh, social outreach pro programs yeah. uh, as just a supporting musician and a drummer. Uh, and then swap courses onto a jazz degree, so I graduated in jazz, and then did my masters there in the leadership. Okay, program. at the Guildhall, at the leadership Guildhall. masters, yeah. Guildhall. Yeah. What What were you when you were supporting as a musician? What the, What did the workshop look like? They looked like then. Um, well, this is my the beginning of my exposure to um, creative learning and non formal education. Um, participatory music making experiences yeah. and uh, all the rest of the words that can yeah. describe the wonder of the world that we work in uh, and the project that I got heavily involved with was called World in Motion South so the Guildhall kind of works primarily with the East Range of London South East uh, East London and a little in the North East of London um, and this project was based with young kids between the age of sort of nine or ten up to teenage years uh, who multi multi-instrumental they were primarily all studying music to some degree and instrumental one-on-one -on -one mm -hmm. tuition um, and the demographic was super mixed so some kids with super nice setups and some yeah. kids that had pretty difficult setups yeah in terms of home life and all the rest of it sure uh, and the project ran annually we'd meet in holidays and we'd just it was project based so we'd bring in themes or topics and yeah make art together make music together as a large ensemble 20 piece larger sometimes um strings string heavy it was run by a facilitator called katia Movola. And you know, lives in uh, uh, back in, in Finland, okay. and her um, uh, partner as well is an amazing bass player called Nathan Thompson, and he is uh, uh, also a great facilitator. Works uh, in the world music industry, mm. great performer. So they were coming from this rad, uh, quite literally radical approach to learning and quite complicated music. There was a lot of East European influence in the right. music. There was a All lot right. of time signature work. So as an 18, 19 year old drummer, looking at how you could create group compositions together with facilitated, but learning mm. young people. Quite complex Very music. Very complex yeah. music. You know, that was really inspiring. How, um, in a lot of the people who might be listening or watching this, it's a little bit vague what a workshop might look like. Is there any way, like a brief way you can just kind of, I know it's a big question because each workshop is context-based and you know, it depends what the project is, what you want to achieve with the outcome, but can you give us like a little breakdown on what a work creative collaborative composition workshop might look like? Yeah, well, I suppose <clears throat> the, uh, um, it's always defined, as you said, by its context as a framework. Um, but for me, my approach to it is um, is beginning from a, a new, a, finding a neutral place, mm. finding a place of common understanding and trust mm. with strangers uh, within a very short period of time and taking that group and helping to facilitate that group of people on a, um, a unified journey 
towards some end goal. Yeah. Uh, yes. And it's finding a way to uh, take someone's uh, highest point and match that with other people's highest points, yeah. which are always going to be slightly higher yeah. than the next, you know? And it's find, finding that assimilation as a group um, to create art. And that is also like the super important part. It's about ownership and creating new music uh, uh, and also music that may be recorded but often will never be repeated live um, due to the project nature mm. of workshops. Yeah. Um, the structure of them will begin with uh, group integration, team building. Um, it works across many, many fields uh, in the professional industries use the same techniques mm. and coaching and training and um, obviously the other uh, arts disciplines and dance and theatre. Um, uh, I have a huge practice in that approach. So you begin with a playfulness uh, and a team building um, and you do that through a variety of manners yeah. and methods, um, including uh, um, verbal, non-verbal exercises, uh, including musical exercises, if that's relevant. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, you'll move on to introductory, uh, well, s skills learning, potentially, if yeah. that's the case, or uh, um, drawing out musical ideas through uh, a variety of again a variety of methods that might be musical improvisation that might be led composition based practices body percussion sure vocal exercises so this and is then, all done by the group it's not like they're it, receiving it from a person they're actually integrated by, everything happens by the group yeah you know yeah and those within all those the, these early platforms there's the, yeah, you'll have a facilitator there to lead the process. Yeah. But the aim is that you're finding the, the confidence or the personal identities, yeah. musical and non-musical, yeah. um, within this early stages of approach, as well as uh, um, uh, initiating and introducing musical ideas that you need to develop for the group and with the group for the music that you're yeah. making or trying to make together. For example, you come in with a repertoire-based workshop, you have to do a workshop on a piece of repertoire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you may find the core ingredients of that repertoire and uh, disintegrate it into its you know, um, small elements, yeah. rhythmic structures or harmony. So you, you may have a, uh, a palette that you're going in as a facilitator into that workshop with. And then you, the, the, these early stages of uh, trying to apply confidence into the participants mm. uh, and some learning, I suppose, if you have something to actually teach them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and if you don't have something to teach, if it's an open access, completely zero point, then you know, you, your role as a facilitator is to draw out the musical skills and the musical input. Sure. And as I said, then it's improvisation, it's... Um, placed led composition work is so you might be you can be like yeah drawing out musical material from that group work sure right there yeah 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 nice yeah yeah what uh, 
What then? And then, well, and then you go on to trying to, well, again, depending on the context, perhaps exploring more uh, uh, improvisation work based on the thematic ideas that you're trying to work with. Um, uh, it might be, again, going into more small group skills training stuff that you might have to... Uh, you've got a group of percussionists mm -hmm. that have to learn how to play their shakers and their tambourines. You've got a group of keyboard players that need to find where the C and the D is. Or, yeah. um, along with that, that's always placed about creativity, trying to draw out what they can do, what they can't do. Okay. So, you know, it's playing along with someone else, supporting them that can play along. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's pitching the right people together. It's, um, it's where you... Uh, workshop assistants come into play. Sure. They're bringing that musical skill, that bed, so that then they can learn it. And if they can't play that, you can quickly adjust what's going on for yeah. them something to, to play. With, and it, with the, well, I wanted to ask about these assistants, actually, because that's interesting. What's the background of these assistants? Are they practicing artists, musicians, yeah, semi yeah. or fully pro musicians? Yeah, most of the time these are, you know, it might be um, students, for example. Yeah. Uh, who are on training programs, bachelors or masters. Um, it might be young people that are in uh, organization, arts organization projects that have mentoring and training and develop professional training and development um, within those setups. Um, they might be orchestral musicians that yeah. are working alongside workshop leaders to sure. do a project. Most of the time um, they're highly, relatively highly skilled proficient but, musicians yeah most of the time and, and that's also where which is a, a, a very key philosophy of the work is this um trying to integrate the amateur professional divide on, okay. a, on a more understood respected and creative kind of approach how does so, that how does that influence the participants the young people that are working like what are some of the things you see like all the time it's about any any demographic young old yeah vulnerable non-vulnerable yeah. yeah, it's that that is always um, well. It's part of our condition, I think, as humans, isn't it? The idolization thing and looking up to um, peers and to get influence yeah. and, and ideas and, and creative inspiration. But there's a danger when that becomes a suppressant, I suppose. And this is what this work does because it's all about group ownership and bringing the in, in not just the individual empowerment, but the realization that you can empower yourself more by a true and proper union with other people in the community, etc. Um, and that's as, uh, it's a hyper-powerful happening. Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. And the effect is, it's quite difficult. It's not our role also as arts facilitators to be able to quantify the social yeah. effects or stuff. Um, but the participants always get as much as the facilitators get, which is always when's the next one yeah. going to be happening when's exactly. the next project exactly uh, and um, which is also the other thing is the sustainability of the things these unfortunately is always conditioned by the funding issues that they have and continuity and yeah uh, and, and exposure and that's a really important thing to kind of address and to keep on the, yeah what's the difference then like a, from a one-off workshop or a series of workshops or even some more consistent work with the group well, it becomes experiential. I mean, it's an experiential approach as a one-off workshop. It's 
there's not a lot more that can happen. Yeah. It's also, you, again, the impact is, um, you, you've no idea. Yeah. So it might impact some of the participants yeah. on a level that you're never going to know because you, you won't be going back there again. Mm. Um, but, and it's also just not enough time to uh, see development. Long-term projects, they have got way bigger effect in terms of the actual social impact and political impact. Or, yeah. And cultural impact, and, and absolutely, it's the best endeavor. Yeah. Um, the the work needs longevity, like any other arts practice. It needs to be given yeah. its space and its. It's like gardening. Fluidity, <laughs> completely. You know, it has, yeah. it has to grow, and um, uh, and that's where quality comes into the work practice. Also, with you know the one-off workshop is how you can, uh, in one day, for example, make a group of non-facilitated instrumentalists come up to a level that the audience perceive that as being the right level of quality yeah other than just being like ah oh, isn't that nice exactly uh, and that is uh, super important to work with how do you bring it shouldn't that just be ah oh, that's nice yeah exactly um, the art needs to push up and it is doing you know the, this last few decades there's some incredible work being done taking these approaches and for sure for sure how do you how do you on a practical level how do you get that out of the participants that level of focus and, and idea of quality is it the influence of the facilitator and the and the helpers is it something that's verbally addressed um, this idea of quality and just well the eyes definitely dependent on who's artistically leading the yeah. project and their aims and their goals for it because also what is also important with um, social engagement work uh, is that it's the process as much as it is the product that's key to um, uh, the aims maybe, you know. Um, so for example, working with homeless people, it's the consistency of the process and mm. the, the depth of the process, not about just how well we play a gig yeah. at the end of that yeah. four day session, for example. Um, so, you know, I think it's, it takes some time for these things to, to foster yeah. and to grow and they need to be given the right space for, for it to grow. Sure. You started in Guildhall, worked the loads in the UK, you're teaching students in, in the Netherlands, you did it in The Hague, you're now on the staff in Groningen for the Nipe Masters. This is New Audience's innovative, innovative practice, mm -hmm. uh, pretty progressive thinking masters in several schools in Europe. Mm -hmm. So you have quite a lot of experience. What, <clears throat> what have you learned throughout these years? What does a workshop facilitator need to have in terms of skills? Like how have you developed as well? Um, yeah, I developed step by step. And I've developed by panicking, and <laughs> yeah. I've developed by um, kind of exploiting that panic yeah. uh, to try and get some fun out of it, yeah. uh, and taking myself into risky situations, uh, not not physically necessarily, yeah. but um, definitely psychologically, yeah, yeah. Uh, and um, enjoying that and learning from it and trying again. And uh, I don't don't use the word failing. But, yeah. you know, not, not achieving what I thought I should be doing. Yeah. And then going back again and making my bridge a little higher. Nice. Um, yeah. 
Well, that's good. That's a yeah. good answer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Does it? Because um, you you're a drummer producer. You own a record label with your buddy Joe WW Records. WW Records. Indeed. Yeah. So your artistic practice is quite widespread. Um, you're a musical entrepreneur of sorts, I, I'd say. How does mm. the workshopping, you know, the facilitating, does it have any feedback back on your artistic life? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's totally tied in. Uh, and, and that's where the, that balance must come. And, and that, I think also that's what takes making a workshop facilitator. Like, yeah. Those, uh, identi- those identities that you need is to be a, pra- a, pra- a practitioner, you know, someone practicing, someone engaged with um, making art. Yeah. And uh, we do that, you know, our, our discipline is music and our language is music. And um, it's a huge, broad, beautiful language yes. and there should be exploration to that all the time and this endeavor to keep on learning uh, and also identifying your expertise you know I think uh, it's important as a workshop facilitator to be um, well versed uh, in a, a library of musical skills you know you need to definitely be um, have some rhythmic aptitude and melodic aptitude and harmonic aptitude yeah um, uh, and even lyrical aptitude, you know, it's, um, but a lot of this actually comes from uh, experiential learning and then just self-exploration. I'm sure we all listen to songs, you know, well, we know lyrics and it's not that hard then to be able to work out how someone else wrote lyrics or how you would endeavour to get somebody else that might be good at writing lyrics to write lyrics. Um, I am not a lyric writer, but yeah. most of my projects involve facilitating lyric writing um, and I've learned a whole heap from that yeah. in terms of lyric writing so I can now advise people when I work on my professional projects on my other art projects on that process yeah. or I like this or I don't like that or have some critical judgment with some authority because I'm all the time dealing with lyric writing yeah. and so you know these skills they, they come step by step um, but it's important to focus on developing that and for example this fear of improvisation well what is improvisation you know, yeah. it simply starts that you s- sat at your instrument being this sounds great yeah. that one note sounds great and then you add another and what is an improvisation so there's, there's a lot of fear that also can be uh, worked on mm. yeah good um, that's it. I think I'm going to cut it short, make it short and sweet. Good, Thank you so much for talking. Um, I'm going to link up all the links for your music, the Nipe, everything you're endeavoring, and any last words you might send out there into the world. Well, I definitely say I think it's, uh, it's, it, it, it's time for us all to start cooperating and collaborating more on making music together and working out a new landscape of that and working out a new professional landscape and if you want to be a professional um, you should be able to be a professional and the industry needs to assimilate itself more stabilise maybe a little bit more uh, and if you don't want to be a professional but you still want to play music you should be allowed to do that for without sure. feeling that you can't because you're not good enough yeah. or not having the right um, um, structures available and venues available and for sure. all the rest of it break so, down some yeah. of the non-necessary structures out there yeah man totally it's a good future yes Yo. okay it's pleasure
Cut. Ciao.